Welcome back to my podcast and you guys already know who I am, Karina Basarte. Hello, I'm actually with a new uh, person, which uh, my co-host now for this season and I'm really happy to announce that this person is actually my soulmate, so introduce yourself. I am Joaquin and uh, this is the first time that I'm joining her on this podcast. I know, right? I mean, I've been having this for like, what, two years? And finally, he became my partner on a podcast, on a podcast. You guys already know what what I like to do. I like to talk about crime. I like to talk about scary stuff. So since, you know, Halloween is coming, we're going to talk about crime stories. Before we get to, you know, diving in deeply, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a green tea, and I actually prepared him a green tea, but he went into the kitchen and he grabbed some water. But that's fine, because right now in San Diego, it's super hot, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty hot. It is pretty hot, but it's, like, humid, because, like, we have, like, this storm. What storm is it? Like, a tropical storm? I think it's it's called Kai, or K. I don't want to mispronounce it, but it, it, it was pretty good. I mean, I like the rain, so I can't complain, but I'm over the heat. So, yeah. And, you know, since you're not talking a lot, how are you? How's your day? How's everything? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I, I was uh, enjoying the rain because we don't, we don't get a lot of rain in San Diego. And so whenever we get some, it's good. We're usually constantly in a drought here in California, yeah. so whatever water we can get it's good it's really good and by the way if there's like extra noise in the background it's because another co-host is here pumpkin who is our pug she's like licking everything right now so either she might bark or just unexpected noises okay i don't know if you're ready but i'm ready you ready ready. all right so you guys already know that i really like you know investigative journalism i like cold cases i like cases murder cases and stuff like that and today i picked one that is so first and foremost i'm gonna do a lot of cases all over the world like we're gonna be talking about tokyo amsterdam england you know everything but today i chose something that is more not local but from california Today we're going to talk about well, this person was a serial killer and her name was Dorothea Puente. But her name changes a lot throughout her life. Okay, let's go. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background of Dorothea. Uh, her name was actually Dorothea Helen Gray. And she was born in January 9th, 1929. Her parents then by the name of Trudy May and her dad was Jesse James Gray. But I'm telling you this because everyone is born different. Their childhood is differently. Some people are more lucky than other others and some people are not. Her childhood is actually a little bit rough and both of her parents were alcoholics. So her father was actually uh, a person who was an alcoholic and also threatened 
to commit suicide in front of his children. Now, the information of her having siblings, I don't know how many siblings she had, but she had siblings, of course, but don't know how many. But her father was actually, you know, wanted to commit suicide in front of them. And unfortunately, in 1937, he passed away due to, I'm going to say this in Espanol, tuberculosis. I don't know how to say it in English. But I don't know if you can. you say it? Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. <laughs> I say it in Spanish. Porque aquí la mejor vamos a hablar en español y también vamos a hablar en inglés. So, yeah. Best of both worlds. Her mother, on the other hand, in 1938, she actually lost custody to all of her children and then died in a motorcycle accident by the end of that year. So both of her parents dead. So they actually went to an orphanage. Her and her siblings went to this orphanage where she passed the most terrible things in her life there because she was also sexually abused in that orphanage. At the age of 19, she started to become a convicted felon because she actually would forge checks. So at 19, she's already committing you know, felonies and forged checks. Can you say that word? Forged check, for forging yeah. checks. Forge. Forged Forge checks. Forged. In 1952, she was married married for the first time to a merch seaman by the name of Axel. I'm gonna try my best to say his full name. His name was Axel Burnt, Burnt, <laughs> uh, Johnson in San Francisco. Um, so what she would do, actually, she would go with him to, uh, you know, his trips because he was a seaman. So, you know, what seaman does is they go out there in the ocean, they travel a lot. So what she would do is she would actually take, she would go, um, to trips with her husband and she would actually take advantage, um, of people there. Like, for example, she would invite, invite men to their home and start like, you know, gambling their money. Yeah, isn't that kind yeah. of, I mean, kind of... Yeah, messed up. Yeah, that, that is messed up. So, like, by the... In 1916, she served jail time for 90 days because she was suspected of... I must try my best to do this, but it's ver, Uh which means that she would drug elderly people and then steal their money. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, you know, stealing and stuff like that. Um, and then, like, in 1961, her and uh, her first husband were, were actually getting divorced. Um, she was, like, you know, had this criminal behavior. She wanted to, like, you know, uh, suicide. And, you know, like, her first marriage was, like, really bad. Like, they, they actually called it off in 1966. And then they just began to do their own separate ways. But in 1968, that's when she finally married Roberto Jose Puente. So <clears throat> after 16 months, um, they actually separated because it was like a domestic uh, abuse. So 
they separated but like she tried to divorce him but Puente later fled to Mexico which that never happened so she never like you know um changed her name I mean she started changing she bought a house at uh located in 21st F Street in Sacramento and she actually started to become like a nice person where she established like um this place called the board the border started helping elderly people and you know welcome them to her house she would actually help those people that didn't have a home and bring them to their house to her house i know i just repeated myself but i think uh, i should just clarify a little bit more right so in 1988 Puentes was 59 years old when she got a new member by the name of Alviro Bert Montoya. He was 52 years old and he was placed under the Puentes care by a person named Rudy Moy. So like basically he was an elderly person age 52 and he needed help. So what she would do is actually help people who are who were actually like drug addicts too, and they were old and they needed help. So uh, this person, I don't know his case, but he came and um, with the help of Rudy, on my bad road, he um, came to the house and he was placed under Puente's um, care. Mm -hmm. So he was under Puente's house, like he will live under, um, you know. Um, Puente and stuff like that and she will provide food and, and you know just help him out but then like you know Rude when uh, she started noticing that Montoya wasn't there anymore but she would know right like you, you're helping a person Montoya in this case and he's no longer there like he just vanished? yeah like he just disappeared that's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. So, like, she went to, to you know, Puente's house, and she was like, okay, where is Montoya? Because, like, I don't, I don't see him. So, what she first said is that he left to Mexico. And then she changed her story, and she said he left to Utah. Okay. Yeah, so that one is weird. And, you know, Rue was actually like, okay, this is kind of fishy. So she actually filed for a missing persons report in November. So what happened next is that uh, I think the following day or the following week, a police officer went to uh, Puente's house. And he started, to, you know, asking um, her like, hey, you know, what what happened to Montoya? Do you know where he's at? And she said the same thing. Like it was her and um so first like when this officer came, it was um Puente and it was her attendant, John Sharp. And the police officer was like, you know, interviewing them, like, hey, Montoya's missing. Do you know where he's at? And they both said the same story that he first went to Mexico and then he went to Utah. But then um all of a sudden like Sharp, who is the tendant of Puente, mm -hmm. wrote a, a letter and gave it to the officer. And this is what the letter said. The letter said, she's making uh, me lie for her. Okay. Yeah. So that is weird. Why did he say that? 
And I don't know, for me, the story gets spicier and spicier. Later on that day, three different officers would come to search the home and interview interviewed Puente, but they didn't find anything. So they kept asking her, like, you know, where's Montoya? He was missing. Like, he was under your care, so you must know where he went. And she still had the same story. He fled to Mexico. He went to Utah, blah, blah, blah. Right? They didn't find anything that day. But then one of the officers was like, let me go check out your backyard, you know? So, uh, Puente was actually like, okay, you know, go ahead, go check out my backyard. And so, like, they went behind, and she actually gave him a shovel. So, they started digging in her backyard. She had, like, beautiful, like, flowers in her garden. And they started digging and digging and digging until, like, they got into, like, this hole. And the shovel actually banged in, like, what it was supposed to be like a a tree root so like he started digging more and he noticed it wasn't a tree root it was a are you ready a human leg that was buried and i'm not gonna laugh but like you know they actually thought it was a tree root and then come to find out it was a leg from a person Um, so when this happened, she actually denied everything. She's like, I don't know nothing. I didn't kill anyone. This is surprising to me. And blah, blah, blah. So what the officers did is they actually took Puente to the station to ask her further questions about, uh, the, you know, the remain. And she says she didn't kill anyone. So they actually allowed, um, Puente to go back home that night. But... They allowed her to go back home with a uh, officer who was gonna, you know, be with her at all times and just stand a guard outside her house and just to kind of monitor her, monitor her. And the next morning, an officer in, in a forensic patrol arrived to Puente's home just to, you know, search deeper and, um, what happened next is that the neighbors started noticing that, you know, this was happening. So what she, she was trying to, to do is, like, she was getting nervous at this time. She was like, okay, the neighbors are, like, you know, looking at me. There's a commotion. What would you, like, do if that, if that happened to you? And I thought she was going to be good because uh, she was being like commandments to all people and then she started helping them i thought she had like a chance to redeem herself but i guess not (laughs) i know this lady gets crazy and crazy so what she said is that she asked one of the officers like hey am i like detained am i arrested am i you know this and that and at the moment like you know i guess back in the day um even though they're still searching your house you're not like technically detained so she asked the officer, if I'm not detained, can I go get a cup of coffee, like, across the street? Because it was, like, a, I believe there was, like, a shop or something like that. And the officer said, yeah. So she walked freely to get a, get a cup of coffee. And, um, but at the same time, the officer was looking at her and was, like, you know, keeping eyes on her. But, you know, se distrayó. Se distrajo, como se, como se dice. And she actually left. 
she took a train. No, she took a bus, and she went to Southern California. She she fled. Oh, down here. Huh? Down to Southern Southern California. <laughs> she fled, and at the same time, the officers started finding a second body, buried. Where inside her house? In her backyard. Yeah, so they started, like, you know, finding bodies and stuff like that, and, and they had enough evidence to arrest her, but unfortunately, she had already fled to Southern California. So, um, Puente was actually on the run for four days, and she was actually hiding in a motel in L.A., and she changed her name to Donna Johnson. She went to, like, that later on that night, one night, because I don't know which night, she like four days but later on that night i'm gonna say that specific night the fourth night uh she went to a local bar where she met like this person named charles wiglix <laughs> trying my best here uh but he was a uh, re- he was retired so uh their conversation was actually like you know chatty they were both getting like drinks uh they were making plans for the next day but he was a kind of awkward he was feeling kind of awkward because the conversation she was saying it was like already like talking about marriage with him even though they just met like she was like i want to marry you i want to live with you Hmm. she was already making lifelong plans with him so that was awkward for him but i don't know like this part of the story but supposedly charles started feeling kind of like weird from her because like she was just like talking about like hey let me change your name to your last name we're gonna get married you're gonna give me your social security blah 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 and (laughs) exactly so he like turned on the news on the i think it was a five o'clock news and he saw that there's a lady she was um wanted in sacramento and it was dorothea it was puente um she was um you wanted in in Sacramento, but unfortunately didn't put no picture of her. So he wanted to know like how she looked like. So what she did, she actually he actually called the news, and the assignment editor sent no no, I remember sent him, or went to his house. I think he went to his, she went to his house, and she was actually she had a picture of Puente, and he was like. Oh my god, that's the same lady I had a drink with and the same lady that I was like, you know, making plans with her the next day. So he said, Hey, I know where she's at. So later on that night, they went to the motel where she was staying at and she surrounded without a fight. So they sent her off to Sacramento in a small jet. And at the same time, in that small jet, there was a journalist who was able to conduct a small interview. And she was saying that, um, I have not killed anyone. The checks, I did cash, though. And I used to be a good person at one time. So basically, she said, I didn't kill anyone, but I did steal his, their money. Damn. <laughs> right? Isn't that crazy? So, um, in 1993, which was the year we were born, woo! We just, like, clapped you guys. She uh, stood trial for nine counts. So there was nine people that were dead in her house, that were found dead at her house. Um, there was two bones or two bodies that were found 
outside her house though but they were still like still had her dna it was still her like you know dna was found of her um during her trial her lawyer claimed that she neglected to report a death because um she was running this little you know house which is called the border house uh to help these people but it was also violating her parole because remember she was already you know a felon and and so she had a good of heart that she decided to she's eating something that's not supposed to be so uh <laughs> sorry our dog is eating like a little fuzz from her donut um so what she did um is that she didn't report this death because she was scared of losing her project which it was the border house um so she also said that the other people or the other tenants that were dead or was found dead they died because of natural causes not because she killed them so that was fun after five months of the trial 11 out of 12 juror, juror, jurors were uh, found her guilty of murdering seven whose bodies were discovered at her yard and then they all agreed um so she was actually convicted of three killings and was sentenced to life without parole then finally in march to march uh 27 2011 when they died of natural causes and she was 82 years old now that house still exists in sacramento it's uh, in f street and the number is 1426 the people who now live there say that people always said that the house is haunted and the house should be torn down and it's creepy and you know the people that live there they actually love their house and i think they still have some decorations that she left behind so with that said what do you think about that story mm. <laughs> jaw dropping story right I mean, it just sounds like a story of someone who uh, needed needed help since the beginning. Uh, maybe if she had more, you know, love, attention, and attention from who was supposed to care for her, um, maybe things wouldn't turn out to be that bad. Um, but it's crazy how she turned out to do, to be, you know, very controlling and. Uh, very smart too because yeah she made her way all, all the way to all those years of doing all those things honestly i totally forgot to to like show you a picture of her but if you see her i'm going to show you a picture right now but if you see her you're going to be like nah she didn't kill anyone she's just like a person a regular person but this is her Right? She just looks like an old lady and she looks like, you know, no offense to, you know, my elderly people. Shout out to them. Woo woo. But she just looks like a person who would not do harm to people. Yeah. You know, I feel like uh, since like both of her parents passed away and she was very young when that happened, you know, being sexually abused in this orphanage and not having love, like you said, really affects people's lives especially hers um she was very obsessed with money so that one 
was for the Bucks. Okay, well, what do you what did you think about the story? What did you think about your first episode with me? Yeah, that was a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it definitely fits in for the Halloween time. <laughs> and I'm very obsessed with Halloween, you guys. I already started decorating. Um, I just finished decorating my bathroom, which I think I'm going to fill in more. I'm going to add on a few pumpkins. And... Um, We'll, we'll be updating you with a lot of more stories, maybe perhaps every Friday or every two weeks on Saturday, Saturday. And hopefully you stay tuned and you like this first episode of this season. So thank you guys for listening and we'll see you later. Bye.